And now, the cleanest hour in podcasting with your host, Ralph Peterson. This is the Housekeepers Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. My name is Ralph Peterson, and I guarantee this is going to be the cleanest hour in podcasting with my special guest, Katie Pierce. Katie, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited because you're north of me. You're in Canada. Yes. One of my Canadian neighbors. Now, I love that there's, and a lot of industries are like this, where they're transferable country to country to country, but the cleaning industry is truly a worldwide industry. That's And it's so, I just love that about it. I love that it's this humongous community and also this very small community at the same time so it's very true we all seem to have the same challenges so (laughs) it's nice not to be alone (laughs) if i have to talk to one more person about wiping their feet when they come in the house no (laughs) (laughs) i had i had no idea that when my mother was yelling at us kids when i was little about wiping our feet i didn't know that i was going to continue that mantra (laughs) (laughs) of all the things of all the things you learn from your mother Oh, yeah. Yelling at kids about wiping their feet, picking up the dishes. (laughs) (laughs) If you drop it, pick it up. All those nice little. So much to teach, actually. I think about that a lot now that I am a mom. It's like, you know, you're always yelling at your kids, clean up your room. But now that I'm like an expert in training cleaners and everyone thinks that cleaning is so easy and everyone knows how to do it. Well, sometimes kids don't know how to clean. Right. So, I mean, they need to be taught how to clean just like they have to be taught how to read and write and do everything else. So. You know, I think that's one of the frustrations parents have. But, but yeah, kids probably need to be taught how to do it, right? So mm-hmm. that is that is super insightful because <laughs> no, seriously, because you're absolutely right. Everybody I meet, everybody, I mean, yeah. you know, the millions of people, yeah, all think cleaning is super easy. Oh, but then if you were to say, "Hey, go, go clean this up," the first thing that comes to their mind is, "Wait, how?" <laughs> well, or everyone thinks like, "Oh, I know how to clean." And then you go and look and you're like, this isn't clean at all. Like I always joke with my husband. I'm like, is this Glisten Academy clean? Like, oh, I clean the bathroom. Guests are on the way. Oh, really? And then I always say, you really need to take one of my courses. He's like, I'm never taking one of your courses because then I have to clean properly. (laughs) Now he's got an excuse. So it's better to be. It's (laughs) so great. It's so great. You're right though. (laughs) So let's go all the way back to the beginning. So where did you grow up? Where are you from? So I'm from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are a city of about a million people. A million? Yeah. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so fairly large, fairly large. And I started my business, cleaning business in 2008. Hold and- on, hold on. Before you go from birth to business, <laughs> which by the way, might be a pretty good podcast name, birth to business. <laughs> that smart. That's not bad. That's not terrible. That's not terrible. No, so you grew up there. What was it like growing up there? Oh, Edmonton's great. You know, I think Edmonton's a wonderful place to have a business. There's a lot of support, local support, and a lot. I mean, there's a big university there. So there's all kinds of opportunity. And Edmonton's a very oil-focused city oh, as well, because five hours north of us are is Fort McMurray. So major oil sands. So lots of very, you know, successful people, lots of people with money there. So really good place to start a business for sure. But on the flip side of that is very, very hard to staff. The labor market's very difficult. Minimum wage is really high, you know, and people who 
tend to, you know, maybe in a normal city would go and take a cleaning job in Edmonton can just go up north and work and make, you know, six figures cleaning there or working in the oil sands or whatever. So it's a challenging city to have a business in, but I was very successful there. So, you know, I am very, very happy with Edmonton for sure. Yeah. And you grew up there. You went to school there and everything. Yeah. I went to two universities there, both McEwen and University of Alberta. And what was what was growing up like? What was growing up like there? Very, it's very cold. So (laughs) it is. And I mean, you kind of are just used to it when you live there. I mean, I I lived there my entire life. So, you know, it's just normal to me. It's normal to us. And now that I'm with someone who is not from Edmonton, I've started to realize how unique sort of our experience is. But we definitely grow up cold. And that's quite a challenge as a business owner. You know, that's something that most people don't really think of. But when you have cleaners, that are dragging Dyson vacuums, you know, through snow drifts on their way up to a house. And they're, you know, we get a lot of very dangerous driving conditions as as well. So there's a lot of, you know, very simple weather related issues that happen and make having a job difficult. So there's a lot of, a lot of challenges, definitely running a business in a climate that's cold, you know, about, we have snow maybe like eight months a year. Holy moly, eight months a year. Yeah, for sure we do. And then, you know, summers are quite lovely, but um, and but fast. Yes, and very fast. <laughs> absolutely. And now a lot of forest fires too. So the weather is a real challenge. It really is. Most people will never have to experience sort of what we do. But there are, you know, a million of us and we're very supportive of each other. And, you know, again, it's a great place definitely to have a business. So I where did you do you have any siblings? I do. I have a sister. Yeah. Are she older or younger? She is three years younger than me. Three years younger. So what was that like? Do you, uh, what did your parents do for work? What did okay. you, so, were you an entrepreneur as a kid? Like, were you out there shoveling you know snow? When I look back, yes. So it's kind of funny that you bring that up because I kind of always thought that, you know, I became sort of an entrepreneur later in life after, you know, doing the corporate sort of gig. But actually, when I look back on it, I started, I was synchronized swimmer when I was quite young. And when I quit synchro, I went into coaching. So I coached for 10 years. And then I went to university after, you know, during that time. And I worked, you know, like a retail job that I really enjoyed. And then I worked at a pool as well. Um, On top of coaching synchro, I worked at a pool in the city. And then I graduated university and then I went and worked for Edmonton Public School District as a communications consultant with them and did a lot of digital work for them. What is a communications consultant? So communications is in like communications and marketing. So I went to school for, for political science initially. Well, actually, I started off in physical education. I wanted to be a very serious synchronized swimming coach. So I was very serious about being like an Olympic coach. But that didn't work out so well. I'm not much of a science person. So anatomy oh, and were very difficult mm, for me. Mm-hmm. So I decided I would switch to something else. And so I ended up in political science. And then I and then I started looking at jobs I was really you know interested in. When I worked at the pool, there was no internet really. The only thing I had access to was the city of Edmonton intranet. So I'd go on there and I'd look at all the job postings. And all the job postings that were interesting asked for a public relations diploma. So I thought, well, then that's what I'll do. I'll go get a public relations diploma. So after regular university, I moved on and went to McEwen and got a PR diploma. And that sort of taught me communications, which is basically like writing and copywriting and some graphic design and web design and all that. Most of my work is sort of self-taught in terms of 
you know, digital marketing and communications. There really wasn't a whole lot of that when I went to school. Like social media didn't exist, texting barely existed, you know. So, um, but I was really, really interested in all of that. And so I self taught, you know, how to do websites. And when I got my corporate job in 2005, I was doing a lot of web, I was managing all the websites basically for them into public schools. So, big websites. That was your corporate job, the school system? That was it. Yeah. yeah. So I loved my job. I had a, you know, I, it was great. I learned a lot, but yeah, I only ended up lasting there three years. And then I started the cleaning business while I was there and just kind of exploded. And so I was able to give notice and move on. So, yeah. So, so let's talk about how that actually happened. Cause it's quite an interesting story. You were helping a friend out, right? Like a friend couldn't find work. So basically I had a friend that I met while working at the pool. So we both worked at the pool together and she was a really good cleaner and I'm a terrible cleaner. Like I grew up in a really messy house. We didn't clean really much in our house. So I was never really taught how to clean, but I knew that was sort of a weakness that I had. And then I had this friend and she was a roommate as well. So I was renting a room to her in my house and she had just quit her job. She was working at West Edmonton Mall, you know, in some retail store. And meanwhile, I had been working, like I said, at corporate communications job and was just busy. Like, again, I'm a terrible cleaner. So I was a terrible cleaner. So (laughs) I was always looking for a cleaner. Like I just needed help cleaning. And so I was hiring companies and they were not doing a good job. And then I'd hire independent people and they didn't do a good job. I tried everything. And then my friend was like, oh, I quit my job. And, you know, I need a job. What should I do? And I said, well, you know, like cleaners charge quite a lot of money. Why don't you clean? And she's like, well, I don't really know how to like get customers and stuff. And I said, well, (laughs) you know, I do. So why don't I build the website? I'll figure out how to do the business and just teach me to clean and I'll come and I'll help you. So just teach me how to clean. And then I've learned a skill that I'm lacking. And so I came up with a name, made a logo, registered the website and basically started getting clients. And then we hit the road. We grabbed our cleaning supplies because, again, cleaning is a very easy business to start, isn't it? It (laughs) certainly is. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. You said that you kept hiring people. You'd hire a company or you'd hire an individual to come clean, but they weren't doing a good job. What weren't they doing? What was it? What would have, what was the difference between what they were doing and how you saw the best way to go forward doing it? So, I mean, basically everyone is a poor cleaner. So the, you know, the big challenge with having a cleaning company and training your own staff is that it's not like, you know, I can take my car in for service and they do an oil change and I can't judge how well that oil change was done. When you have cleaning customers, those people not only can judge the the service that was performed, very often those customers are better cleaners and have better standards than your own staff do. So that's sort of, you know, the issue is that people come into it thinking, I can start this cleaning company. It's so easy to start a cleaning company. How hard can it be? Everyone else had to clean, but that's the problem. You've got customers who are incredibly, have incredibly high standards. That's why they have a cleaning company in the first place, you know? So these are people who want, you know, their nine out of 10 house that's already clean, a 10 out of 10 for everyone. And I know a lot of people to your point who clean before the cleaner gets there. Absolutely. Yeah. And and to your, what that is really an, an indication of is how high their expectations are. Absolutely. And that's it. So when you're paying money for something that you could easily do yourself, you just don't have time to, 
or, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to. And I mean, that was my situation. I didn't want to clean. I don't like cleaning. I mean, I do sort of now, now that I'm sort of an, oh, I am an expert in cleaning for sure. So, you know, I can clean very efficiently. I have all the tools, all the products in the world and I can do it very well and I do enjoy it, but I don't have time. I'm much better. You know, my time is much better spent doing, you know, sort of what I meant to do. So again, you know, and now I'm in a new town and I can't find anyone here really to clean either. So it's sort of, I always end up in the same situation where it's like, okay, I guess I have to just start this cleaning company myself. (laughs) And at least that way I'll have my house cleaned. (laughs) I think that's such a great, you know, when you're meeting with a new customer, it's always interesting the questions that you ask and how you ask them and try to uncover not only what their needs and wants are, but what their Mm -hmm. motivations are, whatever. And that would be a great question to ask. Are you the type of person who cleans before your housekeeper or your cleaner shows up? Because if they say yes, boy, doesn't that tell you an awful lot about the standards that they're expecting? Absolutely. And you know what? You know, I'm a big believer in having a really strong, detailed client and property profile. So in my sort of client experience, it's like a 10 step sort of client experience that I teach people. Part of that is having that really detailed client and property profile. So it's like a questionnaire and, you know, you don't do it in the beginning when they're shopping around for the cleaning company. You do this once they're booked and you really want them to sit down and spend some time really going through all these questions so that you actually know what this person is looking for. Because knowing your client as intimately as possible is absolutely how you're going to achieve success with those clients. And that's how you build your business, right? So a million percent. That's the long term. Yes. That's the difference between a one one off and a long term contract. Exactly. And I mean my, you know, my sort of business model and what I teach is having a small company that one person like me can manage all on their own. I can have 10 to 12 staff that I can manage myself and you know still make lots of you know money and lots of profit. And again, a lot of that has to do with knowing those customers and having repeats. So, you know, you don't need 500 customers. You need maybe about 120 sort of repeat customers and you can keep a team of 10 people full time busy. And that's that's definitely to me the most sustainable way to do this this business, because it is you know, it's very challenging. And that's sort of my you know, my tagline recently has been, yes, like a cleaning business is the easiest business to start and it is the hardest to run. I don't think there is anything harder than our industry. Yeah, a million percent. The worst part or the best part about the cleaning company, cleaning industry is it's super easy to start. And the worst part is that it's super easy to start. And so you have a lot of people, you have a lot of people who are not very good at it. Mm hmm. And then you only have a few people who are really focused and dedicated and really make it their profession. And then on the flip side, you also have these really excellent cleaners who are excellent. And I, I work with a lot of them who aren't charging what they should be charging. They're not making what they should be making. They can't scale business. They're exceptionally good cleaners, but they don't know how to run business. Right. And that's the only thing that's stopping them from being extremely financially successful. So where did you learn You said, you know, the part of the story is that your friend came to you and said, hey, I'm looking for work. And you're like, you know what? When we were working at the pool together, you were always a much better cleaner than I was. Yeah. There's a definite need. I see a definite need for people who clean houses. Why don't you go into that field? And she said, I don't know how. And you said, I do. How did you know? Where did you learn how to sell? How to position yourself? I would say that I wouldn't. 
I would say it's a bit of an innate trait that I seem to have. Because again, if I look back now that I'm older and I look back over my entire life, you know, when I was in elementary school, I was like creating magazines and distributing them around school and stuff. So I've always had a really big passion, I guess, for writing, just like you. I'm a really good writer. And that's sort of where it started. And I've just sort of had this, I guess, drive to be sort of a leader. And I mean, even when I was a synchronized swimming coach, I always would see ways that it could be improved. So I always wanted to run my own swim camps. And I wanted, I just always wanted to do my own thing. I don't know where that comes from. What did your parents do? What did your parents do for So my parent, my mom's a teacher, elementary school teacher. And really, you know, I'm sort of a teacher as well in a non-traditional sort of way. Yeah, I really am. And that's sort of, you know, they kind of laugh because that's sort of what I ended up doing uh, was becoming a teacher myself. And then, but for adults, of course. And then my dad, again, was very similar to what I do. He he was a, a public information officer with the Alberta government. So his his sort of niche is forestry. And so that's what he took in university and studied. And then he sort of became kind of like what I do, which is a lot of sort of public relations communications. He worked, you know, when I was a kid, I loved going to see him because the, he managed a communications team which involved like a graphic designer and an artist. And I was, you know, really close with the artist and she would just draw the most beautiful things and paint things. And she's like children's book illustrator now, but, you know, she'd do all the coloring books for forest service and, you know, preventing forest fires and all this stuff. And I just love that as a kid. So, you know, again, very, my dad's very creative, very into art and as well, like sort of a communications guy. And then my mom being a teacher. And then I don't, you know, I definitely learned a lot when I did public relations in terms of marketing. But, you know, to me, it's just, I'm just very, I guess, empathetic because for me, I was, like I said, sort of a busy career woman and I needed my house cleaned and I wanted it done professionally. I wanted it done right. I didn't care how much it cost. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to manage anyone. I didn't want it to be difficult. I didn't want any emotional labor involved, you know, awkwardness in paying my bill. I just wanted everything done professionally, my house cleaned. And that, you know, was it. And it never happened. No matter how hard I tried or how much I paid, I was disappointed over and over again. So I thought, I can do this. I can do this better. And I can give people exactly what I'm looking for. And that's what I do. So it seems to work. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fantastic. I like the idea that you're not sure. I love that because there is that in we are. It's funny. There's two different people. I think there are people who grow up and are unaffected by the inner workings of everything that's going around them. Right. And then there are people who are very affected, even though sometimes we don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. We don't just see an advertisement. We see all the elements of an advertisement. We yeah. don't just see a television commercial. We see all the breakdown pieces yes. of that television commercial. <laughs> and then Absolutely. years later, you're like, wait, I know how this works because I've been watching television my whole life. And you got to yeah. know that there are people who will watch television as well and never understand how it works. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And I think that's, you know, I guess I don't even really attribute a lot of what I know or do to my university education, but actually taking, a, I took, a, you know, I sort of majored in political science, but I actually took a lot of psychology courses. I just didn't want to major in it. So I actually took a lot of psychology and sociology courses. And, you know, I think that's probably what I find the most fascinating. And then I read a lot as well. So, you know, learning like uh, Dan Ariely's book, like why people or what is it, why people buy and just things like this, like just all the different psychological reasons behind, you know, why people buy. And I'm a shopper myself. I love shopping all the time. And so I always, you know, try and pay attention to my own sort of path onto what actually makes me buy things. 
You know, is it the emails? Like there's so much misconception people have over why they think they do things. And, you know, of course, science has proven over and over that, you know, people self-report wrong and we fill out surveys wrong. And, you know, even as witnesses to crimes were wrong. And so that stuff has always fascinated me. So I do study, I guess, a lot of, you know, sort of why people buy and especially women too. I really, really like to know why women buy because women, even when there's a man involved, women tend to be the decision makers in a lot of purchases and almost every purchase. So um, I've read a lot about that too. And that really interests me. And, you know, of course, being a woman myself and being in a very female dominated industry, it all fascinates me. So from the customer to the business owner herself, I find it all very interesting. Yeah. I love that too. I think that to be a successful person in any realm, curiosity has got to be right up there among the Absolutely. top qualities. Right. Yeah. Somebody, you know, being mm-hmm. well read, super important. Absolutely. But yeah. you can't even begin to be well read if you're not interested, if you're not curious, if That's you're right. and not- I, I mean, that raises a really good point is that, you know, you really have to have a love for cleaning. And even though I didn't necessarily know how to clean. I wanted a clean house. Like I wanted what we now would call like an Instagrammable house. I want everything to be beautiful and perfect. Do I want to do all the work myself? Of course not. Like, you know, I'm going to outsource it all. But, you know, that's exactly it is, you know, we want, we have a vision and that's really all marketing is, right? It's just selling people that promise of how their life can be better. And I truly, truly believe in it. And I think growing up, you know, in a house that, wasn't, you know, super clean, you know, and super organized, I felt a lot of, I would say stress, like there's a lot of stress involved, you know, when a house is disorganized, you know, and that's something I still struggle with myself is the organization. I'm very clean, but I tend to have way too many clothes. I have a baby now, and (laughs) she has way too many clothes, too many everything, you know, so that's sort of my struggle and my challenge all the time is to, is to, you know, be as minimalist as possible. But, you know, there has to be a real passion for cleaning. And I think I tend not to work with people who come to me and have that sort of concept, like we've already discussed where, well, cleaning's easy, you know, and I'll just start this business. You know, I've got a great head for business. So I'm going to start a cleaning business. It'll be really easy to staff because everyone knows how to clean. So that's the easy part. And I'm just going to do this business. And you really have to have you know, a a deep love for maybe not for the cleaning process, but for the end result, there just has to be something about cleaning. And, you know, my favorite part of even going to Walmart or any grocery store is the cleaning aisle, you know, as silly as it sounds (laughs) like it's just, it's natural. I'm obsessed with cleaning and a lot of people are. And, you know, if you can take that passion and turn it into a business, then, you know, then you'll be very successful, but you do And it's not just cleaning, you have to truly also be of service. I think that, you know, this is the service industry and you really have to, you have to love taking that burden off your clients' shoulders. You have to understand how stressful having a messy house or dirty house is for people and why they're so willing to pay someone to do it for them. And then if you sort of have that, you know, that respect for how important cleaning really is and the service that you're delivering then you have all the confidence in the world. You can charge the most in your market. You know, you can, you know, you're proud of what you do. You're, and that will pass down to your staff as well. So you can turn it into a real career option for people as opposed to just, you know, an unskilled job. And you really do. You have to have a real, a love for it and a real respect for for what you're doing for people. You know what I, what I'm, what I like is that you've gone from 
solving an immediate problem that you see and creating a business for you and your friend. But then when did you transform to start training people? When did you become, when did you start the Glisten Academy where you're actually taking and showing people how to start their own business and be successful in their own business? How did that happen? Yeah, it was really interesting how it happened, actually. So my business partner and I were starting to have a lot of conflict because business partners don't tend to butt heads when things aren't going well, because you're kind of in it together. And, you know, our business was very successful, but sort of under the surface, there was some tension because we were very successful and we were sort of always kept trying to catch up. Like we always had a waiting list. We always needed more staff. You know, we were always too in demand. So, you know, there's sort of always one or the other problem. So, you know, you either have too many staff, not enough work, or you have, you know, not enough Staff and too much work. Too much work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all. I know exactly what you mean. And you know, my business partner was very well-meaning, but when we became sort of at that point where you're now like you know doing over a million a year in revenue, there's a lot of challenges that come with that in terms of having a business that is really systemized. And I'm big on that. I mean, systems are my thing. So you know, in terms of online booking and online you know training and everything, that was easy for me to do. But I felt like my business partner really wasn't pulling her weight and sort of the more money we were making, it was almost like the more she was kind of coasting more and more. And so anyway, there was some conflict and we ended up trying to sort of go our separate ways. So I had put in a couple offers, you know, like legally to say, like, I'm going to buy you out. And she rejected my offers. And so I thought, you know what, like the legal bills were piling up and I was paying my staff out of my own pocket as well at the time. And, you know, that's just not, I mean, that's not a great sort of environment to be working in. And eventually I just thought it was right around Christmas time. And I thought I'm done. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm a marketer. I can start another cleaning company tomorrow. Why am I fighting so hard, you know, just to keep the name and the brand. So I said, fine, you know what? You can have the business taken. So she ended up closing the business down immediately, immediately. the very next day, got gone. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. So she (laughs) fought you tooth and nail, did not want to give it up, didn't want to be bought out. But as soon as you left, she just closed it. Yeah. It seems like all that battle was for nothing. Yep. In a way. So, I mean, definitely like I'm no stranger to sort of that, not rock bottom feeling, but sort of like, wow, what did I just spend eight years building? And then it all got thrown away like that. Really, it did. But it doesn't like it wasn't right. So you know, I might have felt sad for a minute or two, but I know that that's, you know, I don't know. I never really felt that bad about it. I thought, you know what, in a name and a brand, sure, it's over. It's done. Poof, it's gone. But that doesn't mean that my name's gone. That doesn't mean that my customers are gone. That doesn't mean that this has all been a waste. You know, that was eight years of, you know, like a PhD education, really, you know. So I thought, no big deal. I'm just going to start another company. So she actually went into commercial cleaning. And from all I've, you know, sort of heard, she's doing very, very well doing that. So, you know, there you go, right? Like she good for her. And then what ended up happening is sort of, I think the summer before, so I told you this sort of happened around Christmas, the summer before I was contacted by Jobber, which is like a service software for um, home-based businesses. So basically Jobber has software that, you know, that your staff can track their time and you can book, you know, appointments and you have an app on your phone and it, you know, basically you can check on your staff, they can clock in and out, all of that sort of stuff. And so they had contacted me. So this is back in 2014 
And, you know, because I had a fairly high profile in the city as, you know, a successful, you know, business owner and sort of known, well-known as being uh, like the, you know, cleaning sort of expert in my city. So Jobber had reached out to me and said, you know, we'd love to collaborate on like a book and some webinars and, you know, basically have you as our cleaning industry expert. So Jobber, you know, they have customers, basically businesses that do everything from like lawn care to plumbing to cleaning to, you know, everything that, you know, all these home service types of industries. So they wanted to bring me on as their clean business expert. And so we got together and we collaborated on an ebook. And oh, that's uh, great. What's yeah, the ebook so called? It's called How to Start a Cleaning Business. And it's just a free book that I we love put it. together. Yeah, it was great. You know, they basically interviewed me and then we put the book together and we did. They are also involved with ARCC and ISSA, the, you know, the, the big uh, organization, professional mm-hmm. organization for us. So they sponsored me to go to Chicago at the time. So that would have been maybe in 2017 or 18, whenever the conference, the annual conference was in Chicago. And so I went and gave a talk there. And basically, we collaborated on a bunch of sort of events, both in person and online. And, you know, so anyway, it was sort of from that, it was initially them contacting me. That was sort of the beginning And then I just sort of kept getting, you know, asked basically to teach. So I had like a local business school reach out to me and say, you know, we'd like to bring you on to teach for us as well. So I was teaching like, you know, basically small business marketing, search engine optimization, website design, you know, basically to all small business owners, sort of in all industries in my city. So I became, you know, kind of an instructor for everyone. And at the same time, I was building, you know, specifically to the cleaning industry, through my website. So I started putting together some courses and this was, this was back when things weren't nearly sort of as demanding and fancy as they are now. So (laughs) I was just making, which again, like you said, you're a writer, I'm a writer too. So I would just write, I would write, I'd write, you know, PDFs basically and make all these courses that were just written and people could buy them and download them and then put into practice, you know, all the things I was teaching them about a cleaning business. And so that's basically how it started was because my business basically disappeared overnight. And like I said, I was thinking about starting another cleaning business. And then I decided, you know what, I can probably just be a teacher and a consultant at this point. So that's what happened. And that's what I did. And, you know, I just basically, you know, online courses are, I thought, you know, very naively as well. I thought, well, I'm a great teacher in person. I was getting a lot of good feedback, a lot of great, you know, reviews from students And I thought, well, this is great. I'll just put my, you know, like this, I'll just put my camera on and I'll just lecture. And how hard can that be? And it was the hardest thing I've ever done, (laughs) ever, ever. I cannot even begin to explain how hard it is to put together online courses. And again, you know, when I teach in real life, I can, you know, I can talk and laugh and you've got interaction with your students. But when you're just teaching online to no one, you know, it's a completely, and it's not like this, there's no interactivity. So I, there was a lot of mistakes I made a very expensive and time wasting mistakes in the beginning to try and figure out how to take how I train in real life and how I teach in real life, both as, you know, cleaners, how do I teach cleaners? How do I teach teach cleaning business owners and all kinds of entrepreneurs? How do I teach marketing? How do I teach everything and take it and bring it online? And that has been now I have been working on that for about seven years, I guess. And again, that is just like a massive whole other world, you know, that I've had to learn. And, you know, again, I 
I started off thinking I could just put my, you know, my iPhone up on a ring light and I could just record myself. I realized very quickly that wasn't going to going to work. And I ended up hiring people. And, you know, I have quite a team now that helps me put together courses and I couldn't do it without them because it's just, it's not nearly as easy as it looks, you know, to bring everything to life with video. And I'm still like, I'm still working on it because there's still, you know, tutorials and stuff again, look really easy on TikTok, but you know, and Instagram, but the people who are doing that, you know, it's not as simple as it looks. And I, I know some of the people behind massive Instagram and other social media accounts, and I know how much work goes into it. And it's not, you know, it's not just somebody going around, you know, their house or their client's house, quite as <laughs> as it seems, right? So there's been a lot of changes in, you know, I'm sure as you're aware too, a lot has changed uh, since, you know, in the past few years too. And attention spans are short. And, you know, like I said, the biggest challenge with clean teaching people how to clean, it's not the business owners that are difficult to train. Business owners are the best group of people in the world. Like, I go and teach in real life and like those people are the nicest, the nicest people. (laughs) Almost every single person I've taught, you know, in real business school has become like a friend. You know, they've stayed in touch on Facebook. I hear from them years later about things that I taught them that, you know, are helping them today. Really wonderful group of people. But when you're training people how to clean, I mean, (laughs) like who wants to learn how to clean a toilet, right? I mean, it's not exciting. And everybody, everybody comes to you thinking they already know how to do it. And everyone thinks this is a waste of my time. Why on earth do I have to sit through training how to clean a toilet? This is so dumb. So there's a lot of challenges and a lot of psychological things that go into uh, training actual cleaning professionals. And so this has sort of been, I would say this is kind of like my life's work now, you know, my masterpiece at the end of my career, I hope (laughs) that I can look back and say, I solved that, you know, and it's not necessarily a solvable problem, but boy, did I improve it. And boy, did I help people, you know, sort of break that barrier down so that they were open to learning because I have seen it over and over as well with my own staff that you'll, you know, you'll pay them to sit through some kind of training. And, you know, this happened to me as recently as a couple of years ago where, you know, I was training people and then I go and watch them train, like, you know, sort of secretly at a house you know, I'm in the kitchen just checking something and I see them cleaning and I think that's not at all. That's not even a little bit of the process. You're not doing it right at all. So, you know, how do you, how do you train people? How do you get them to pay attention? How do you get them to think that, you know, maybe they actually could learn something about how to do this? And then how do you continually motivate and incentivize them to actually follow the process until they've actually, you know, you know, until it's second nature, right? So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot. Hardest business to run. <laughs> it's it's definitely an interesting conversation to have because I think you're speaking the truth to, and it doesn't even matter to what industry. I mean, everything is a learning curve. Yes. Everything is challenging. Everybody thinks they know everything already. It becomes... You're exactly right. It becomes sometimes, you know, a battle of wills more than anything else. I like, think you're right. And, you know, you're. it's true. It is. And it's a real power struggle, especially in that sort of employer-employee dynamic especially in something like this, you know, back to the oil change thing. I don't know how to change oil in a car, but yeah, I mean, every single person on this planet, even as young as like a six-year-old, you could say, okay, I'm going to pay you to go to that house and, you know, push a mop around. Yeah, I can do that. Right. Everybody thinks they can do it and nobody can. right? You know, to some extent, everyone can do it, but not do it well, not do it repeatable, not do it with good metrics. That's the argument I have with my husband because he's like, well, anyone can do it. 
anyone can. And I said, sure, ev- anyone can. Anyone can run down can. the street, but not everyone can run a marathon. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> it. And not everybody can do it to the standard, of yeah. course, that has to be done. And then, you know, I've cleaned, you know, when we started our business, I did it myself. And then I actually started another business, cleaning business in Edmonton two or three summers ago. I guess it was two summers ago, basically just because my training programs were done. And I thought, you know what, I really want to put these into practice before I sell them to anyone. So, you know, exactly as they are, because again, I teach people in real life how to do it. I need to make sure that this is going to work in the, you know, in the exact environment that I've created online. So I hired people, I started a little business, and I used my training programs on them. And again, like, it's the same thing. Yes, they know how to clean. But how do you get them to actually reach that standard on every single house every single time? And then myself, I was heavily involved in the beginning as well with training because we had a lot of high profile clients. And I had to make sure, of course, that everything was done perfectly. And yeah, it was like summer cleaning and it's hot and you're tired. And like, you know, you've been in this house. We were actually, we were making houses, beautiful, like multi-million dollar homes ready for NHL players that were coming back to the city to start the season. And because we were working, you know, not entirely just for one person, but the one client that I had had multiple, you know, million dollar homes that he was renting out to NHLers fully furnished. And so, you know, there's a huge expectation with that. And I spent a lot of weekends at these houses, making sure that they were absolutely perfect, you know, like as though the queen of England herself was coming to stay there. And yeah, it is, I am like, if you don't understand how hard and frustrating cleaning is as a business owner, like I tell everyone, you have to go do it yourself. You have to learn the struggles that, you know, that your employees are feeling every day and the frustrations that they're dealing with because a million things can go wrong. Like it's a really hard job because again, you know, if this was a cafe, these people just show up, you know, they put on their apron and customers walk through the door and they've got downtime and stuff. There is really none of that when it comes to cleaning. And there's, you know, I always say like when you, you know, you're cleaning like two or three houses a day, that's like 10 to 15 different bosses a week that you're reporting to, you know, and then their spouse as well. So you've got, you know, like 30 bosses now, plus your own demanding boss, you know? So yeah, there's a lot of pressure. It's a, it's not for the faint of heart. It's a hard job. It really is. And, you know, so again, as a business owner, you have to take away as much burden on your staff as well. So it's really about, I guess, servicing your clients and also your staff. You have to genuinely empathize with them. You have to take away everything that makes their job difficult as much as you can. And then you'll end up with staff, you know, for a lifetime really. So, but yeah, lots. You know, I heard a fun, a fun antidote once that said Queen Elizabeth thinks that must think the world smells like fresh paint. (laughs) Right. Cause you can imagine everywhere she goes. Right. Right. Before she gets there, everybody is just she must yeah. think the world smells like That's disinfectant, so bleach, and yeah, fresh paint. Yeah, and flowers. And, the yeah. world smells terrible. For her. <laughs> That's hilarious. Absolutely. You know, that's that's the other thing I wanted to touch on is in the cleaning industry, there's so many different directions you can go. And you found yeah. yourself specializing in luxury, mm-hmm. luxury cleaning, luxury houses, like you're saying, for NHL professionals. Like mm-hmm. that's that adds a whole degree of difficulty and expectation with that luxury piece. But again, I would imagine at the same time, 
if you have a choice between cleaning the, you know, an individual house that, you know, is very little money with eight kids or a million dollar house with two people in it half the time. I mean, you choose the luxury house every time, right? I mean, Yes. So, you know, that's a good point for a few reasons. Number one, staff, for sure. Staff are much more likely to stick around with you if they're working in a nice environment. So, and you know, again, I am not pretentious when it comes to cleaning. I have cleaned. I mean, if the stories I could tell you between my business partner and I, flies, maggots, my poor business partner got bit by a dog once. You know, we've seen, we've seen everything. I remember dragging someone to a cleaning job. It was like a basement apartment. And the guy proudly told us he'd lived there since the seventies and had never cleaned ever. I remember going into this bathtub and thinking this looked like something out of like a horror movie. It was like, it did. It looked like somewhere where you would keep, (laughs) keep prisoners or something. It was so bad. So I've seen it all and I've cleaned it all. And I can promise you, yes, it is much better, you know, cleaning for Connor McDavid (laughs) than it is to clean for that poor fellow. Both pay the same amount of money. Both are as appreciative. But again, if you're expecting staff to clean for you, very often they do not want to clean actual, you know, dirty houses. They really don't. Silly as that sounds. And so, yes, if you can give people a nicer environment and as well, you know, there is a, a bit of a, you know, a sort of what would the word be? You know, like you don't always feel great about yourself as a cleaner, you know, dragging in a mop bucket and, and, you know, you feel kind of like a downtrodden, you know, servant really when you're cleaning. So you have to understand that for cleaners, when they're showing up to clean a house, you know, you don't want them feeling badly about themselves and feeling less, you know, less than the people that they're cleaning for. And unfortunately that happens a lot. So again, you want to give your staff, you know, as much pride in their job. And I know for me personally, like when I'm pulling, you know, cleaning supplies out of my trunk and marching up to a house, you feel like every neighbor's eyes are on you and oh, you're the cleaning lady. And oh yeah, you know, you don't feel necessarily very, you know, proud of yourself. But when you're going into beautiful homes and you've been entrusted by again, you know, high profile clientele, you do feel much more like a professional. And, you know, that's a very specific sort of service. But to me, that is the most successful and sort of the quickest way to be successful in this industry. If you're trying to compete against everybody else and you're trying to underbid everyone else and get as many customers as you can, you know, it just like you're always going to be competing against the next person on a Facebook community page who says, well, I clean houses for 30 bucks an hour. So hire me, you know. And so if you can specialize, you really need to specialize in something. You need to have the best equipment, the best products, the best branding. And again, you know, it's just incredible that as well, you can compete against major franchises. So, you know, you can have a professional logo, you can have beautiful uniforms, you can brand all your bottles, like everything should be branded with your company. So, you know, you're not bringing Mr. Clean into the house, even if that's what you're using, you're pouring that into a a (laughs) bottle. We're not pouring that into anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's got your label on it. Everything's branded to your company because there's only one brand you need to be promoting as a business owner, and that's your own. So hold on a second. Hold on a second. There's a couple of things that you you said that I think are super important. It's important to point out. Number one, the idea that the more your employee is able to take pride in the place that they work, 
that is a even though you're going into clean, the cleaner it already is, the better it already is, the better people feel about themselves. That's true in every industry, which only highlights the need for professional cleaners. So it doesn't matter if you're running a factory, a school, a hospital, a nursing home, mm-hmm. an airport, you need professional cleaners there. Your staff and your customers will be happier, better employees. I was just, I'm a, you're saying, you know, you go to a grocery or a supermarket and you love the cleaning aisle. For me, it's floors. And so my wife and I were just at a grocery store in Rochester, New York. We're at a Wegmans grocery store and we're big fans of Wegmans grocery stores. And as we're leaving, I said, I just love this store. And she goes, oh, it's so great. I go, no, it's great because of the floors. Look at the floors. And she's like, you should take a picture. Because the floors, just, I said, the floors look amazing. Everybody loves shopping there. You know, it's yeah. super easy to shop in a clean environment, right? It's super easy to spend money, to yeah. spend time, <laughs> to enjoy being somewhere where it's clean. Absolutely. I think that's really important. The second thing, yeah. it's so interesting to me. I'm a commercial cleaning yes. consultant and a strategist. I'm very much like you. I help people refine their job. I help cleaning, cleaning companies get into healthcare. That's really my specialty. Yes. Okay. And, but I've worked in nearly every cleaning industry. I cleaned hotels. I've cleaned houses. I cleaned condos. I, I've cleaned so yes. many things. Yeah. Because I've been in the cleaning industry my entire life. My first job was cleaning a high school, which is oh, how wow. I got the, which is how I got the unflattering nickname as the housekeeper. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I wore it as a badge of honor. Everyone's like, oh, you're the housekeeper. Well, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I had a fr- it's funny. I had a friend who lived on a farm. And when we started high school, you know, when you first in high school in, in the States, anyway, you get picked on for every little thing, right? You could be too tall, too short, too fat, too skinny, <laughs> whatever they could give you, right? Yeah, Canadians and, do. <laughs> and my friend grew up on a farm. And so they started calling him the farmer. And he hated it. He wanted to fight everybody. I thought it was the coolest nickname. I was like, I would give anything to be the farmer. Anyway, <laughs> to each his own, right? Yes. Like, I don't know. You try being the housekeeper over here. Um, <laughs> at the time, I would have preferred the farmer. Anyway, when I cleaned houses, I worked for this, you know, it was this a man, uh, this couple that had this okay. house cleaning company. And they would send us out two at a time and we'd like give mm-hmm. our root, get our root and everything. Yeah. And we were always bringing chemicals and equipment, putting them in the trunk of the car, yeah. driving to the places and whatever. But there was a couple of houses that were in the, and by the way, I'm going to say this. They were the best houses that yeah. we cleaned. They were the, you know, of the houses that we did, these were the best houses. They didn't let us bring in equipment. They didn't let us bring in chemicals mm-hmm. because they had special equipment and chemicals they yeah. wanted us to use yeah. for them. And I remember when I first, you know, when I first go, hey, you're going to go clean so-and-so's house and you don't bring anything in. They have all their own stuff. And yeah. I was like, from at first, I was like, sweet, you know, who cares? Just because less I have to bring back and forth mm-hmm. into their house. But the more I did their houses, the more I realized or thought about the genius. If you made that your market, imagine if we didn't, Imagine if you weren't in the chemical business. Imagine mm-hmm. if you weren't in the vacuum business or the broom business or the high duster business, and you just required that of your customer to have. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know why, but I think that that is, and, and I don't clean houses anymore. That was a long time ago, and I've never owned a house cleaning company. I only yeah. worked for a house cleaning company. Yeah. 
But even I go into a hospital, I go into a nursing home. We don't go in. We don't go in with a van full of equipment. No. And I mean, that's one of the things like I've done a lot of commercial cleaning as well. So we had, I would say, I mean, it was a smaller dollar amount, but out of my 10 staff, two were part-time commercial cleaners, but I've done lots of commercial cleaning as well. And, you know, that's, I mean, there's a huge difference between residential and commercial. It's like they're completely Mm -hmm. different companies. Right. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of, janitorial work is that you can hire people who don't have a car. You can hire people exactly. who don't speak, you know, English that you, the they don't have to bring equipment with them. They don't lug anything. They just yeah. show up. So, I mean, I had staff that, you know, would just take the bus somewhere and they just show up. All they need is a key. They open the janitor's closet. All the stuff is there, you know, and they also didn't have to maintain any of the equipment. So, you know, that was sort of my job, like me and my business partner, we would make sure that, you know, everything was stocked up and the vacuums were, you know, like always working and functional and stuff. So mm-hmm. there was no maintenance. So again, like that is a r- much, much easier way to do things. So, you know, you're exactly right. And when I started my company, Dyson's were fairly obscure. I would say not everybody was buying, you know, $400 vacuums at the time. And then I saw the evolution as the years went by that now all of my clients have Dyson vacuums. Everybody has a vacuum. So why are we supplying Dyson vacuums? No reason to anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, like I I appreciate I appreciate what you were saying that everything should be your brand. Like you should be pushing your brand and only your brand. I appreciate that. At the same time, if you want to do me a favor. If I'm going to go clean your house, this is for all the people who hire housekeepers. Trust me on this. If you want to do me a favor, if you want to make it so that I feel good about myself, I take pride in my work, I go the extra mile, leave. Don't be there while I'm there. Don't be there. Take a walk. Absolutely. Go shopping. (laughs) Take your kids to the park. You haven't, your 13 year old girls on the couch watching TV (laughs) while I'm trying to vacuum. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't do me any good. All right. No, it gives it, me an attitude. I don't feel, I don't want leave. Yeah. Leave. Leave. Well, it's so much better to Peace and love. Customer Get out of your house. To leave, go take those two hours, you know, that you can go do something better. And then you come back and your house has been completely transformed like magic, right? That is way better than being there and watching the painful process as it un- unfolds. A million percent. <laughs> I have a cleaner. In my, I have a home office. I work from home. I teach from home. I'm here 24-7. I never want to leave. But when she comes, I'm out of the house. It's the day I know when she's coming. My wife's like, she'll be here on Thursday. I'm like, I'm going to be working from Starbucks on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. Because I know if I were her, it would drive me crazy to have me in the house. Yes. I mean, yeah. You know, I... I don't know that I have a lot of clients that like to stick around. I think for the most part, people do want to leave. I think there's been a definite challenge with the pandemic, you know, from, of course, what I've heard from my own clients who own, you know, house cleaning companies all over the world, that everyone is home now. So I think that's definitely a challenge. But yes, ideally, everyone would be gone and they could do their work uninterrupted. Definitely. However, there's also a huge, I know as well with my staff, I have to be told when the client is home and the client likes to talk because I have to add extra time. (laughs) You know, if I know that that house takes two hours, but they're always talking, like there's small talk before and there's small talk after, 
I might have to add an extra half hour onto that house. And, you know, I'm willing to do that. That's okay. You know, that's customer service. And I'm, I'm more than happy to pay my staff to build those relationships, you know, with their customers. Absolutely. That's so important. So please stick around. Please talk to them if they're there. <laughs> but if they're not, then yes, it's much more efficient. You know, it, what's funny is how different my wife and I are. Number one, I would never pre-clean before the, uh, the cleaner comes. I'm not that person. Yeah. I'm not a dirty person anyway, but I wouldn't go out of my way to pick up because yeah. she's on her way in. My <laughs> wife pre-cleans constantly. Yeah. And if my wife is home, my wife is a school teacher too, so she okay. has summers up. So if my wife is home, she helps her clean. Like, oh, of course. <laughs> she yeah. jumps right in and all of a sudden they're working together. So where, uh, I would stay in my office. <laughs> so this is this and, uh, you know, we can be as progressive as we want. Males versus females. Sure. Females will help. We feel guilty. We feel bad. I think a lot I do of guys, not feel guilty. I do not feel bad. I know a lot will say, yes, I feel kind of bad too, but nowhere near the amount of guilt that we have. I don't, I don't ever, I don't go to a restaurant, order a meal and then jump in the kitchen. Let me get on that line. <laughs> Let me, I know you've been working right. hard all day. I'll so cut one is, half of the steak, this, you cut the other. This illustrates a really <laughs> good point that you bring up. So this is an issue that I have to handle when it comes to women business owners. Women business owners, and again, this isn't true for everyone, but I have to catch it on myself a lot too. Women are very fueled by relationships and by guilt a lot of the time as well. And so what happens is we tend to do way too much for way too little. And men do not have this issue. They just don't. I mean, and I see it as well with my parenting now. My baby will make fussy little noises and it's like my skin is crawling. I cannot stand it. And so I had to look up the science behind it. And of course, they have proven over and over with, you know, MRI imaging of the brain that women's brains like go off like they say it's like a fire alarm. Men don't have this issue. And my husband will say, he's like, I don't know why that bothers you. So what? She's fussing. She'll fall asleep or whatever. Who cares? She's fine. I like it literally, it is, it's biological. There is something there. And, you know, women, I would say, I, cause I'm exactly like your wife. I will, I wipe everything down. I clean everything up. It's just, it's a sickness. I can't help it. And then if she's here and we are chatting or whatever, I will help her. I'll help her. I'll vacuum. I'll do this, you know? And it's not right because it, it probably makes her really uncomfortable too. But it's just like, I don't know. It's a real fight. And like what I teach in my very first lesson of the program that actually I'm teaching right now, the very first thing that they have to learn is they have to make decisions based without emotion. It has to be a business decision. And so everything is fine. If it's good for your business, then it's okay. Even if it doesn't make you tons of money at first, you know, like I said, if I'm paying staff to sit around and chat with their, you know, their clients, that's not the, you know, that might seem like, oh, well, I'm paying a few hundred bucks, you know, out of my bank account every month to pay these girls to talk to, you know. I would never I'm pay anybody to talk. I'd be like, get to work. Let's go. <laughs> Sweep and talk. You can but listen this, and run a I will promise you. This is why my customers will continually say, and I hear it over and over again, but you know, I obviously I'm building a very different business, but the business, you know, that I have, and it's obviously not the same, you know, as commercial or anything, but when you have sort of the, like, you know, the higher end business that you're also charging a lot for, 
you know, those clients do expect to have a close relationship with their personal cleaning consultant. Like that is a relationship and they will stick around for years and years and years. And, you know, if I can forge that relationship, that's where the business loyalty comes from. I know how much it costs me to get a new client. So, you know, few bucks here and there for them to keep forging that relationship is a good, wise business decision. <laughs> Financially. No question. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. So you just said you are, are you offering a 10 week boot camp? What are you offering right now? What is yes. this? Yes. So right now is a 10 week, it's a business accelerator course. And it is my favorite course because and the reason who is it I, for, who is it for? It's for, it can be for anyone in any type of cleaning but you have, it's for people who currently own a cleaning company. They don't even have to own it. I have people who are just wanting to start up a cleaning company. Oh, okay. So okay. So for about both. It. I had one lady reach out to me who took it last fall and she actually reached out to me a couple of days ago and said, you know, I took your course last year, but I never ended up doing it. And the beauty behind this course, because it's really important to me to, you know, to help people succeed through like the evolution of their career and their business is when I offer these courses, I always let my alumni come back and re-participate at no cost. Oh, so wow. She wasn't able to, you know, to really put it into practice last year. And, you know, the years go by like that, right? So she said to me, like, I'm so excited to take it again with you because I never got a chance to actually do it. I've been working at my day job, um, but now I'm really serious. I want to get into launching a cleaning business. So I can't wait to take it again. And so I always invite all the alumni, all the past participants to come back and retake it again for, like I said, no charge, because I know exactly what it's like. I know, I, like I said, empathy, I know what this is like more than anyone. And, you know, sometimes you Why sign up. Why not a discounted charge? Why not get a couple of bucks? Because they've already invested. They've already invested. And I, you know, I find with but my- But you're goal, investing again and again and again. I am, but I mean, I can scale. This is uh, Ralph Peterson coaching. We're live. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> what happens, again, financially, so taking emotion out of it, <laughs> uh, financially, if I can get somebody, first of all, it's, you know, it's a guarantee for anyone. So if anyone's on the fence, like, oh, do I want to sign up for her live thing? What if I don't do the lessons? What if I fall behind? What if I'm too busy running my business and I can't make the calls or whatever? Don't worry about it because you've locked in your price. You've paid for it. And now even if you fall behind, it's okay. You've got lifetime access to all the learning materials and you can revisit it when you need to. And then when I do it again next year, if you want to, you know, show up for the calls, you can. So I basically block out 10 weeks a year where I am fully committed to everybody and helping them in any way that they need during business hours for 10 weeks. So that's what I do. And, and it, it works out beautifully. And again, to answer that financial question, the beauty behind people is, you know, they come and they take my course and you know, it sort of gives them this business accelerator course, we cover everything. So we cover marketing, we cover hiring. But of course, we don't go massively into depth because I do that in other courses, right? So if you yeah. really want to know how to hire and train, I have separate courses on that. And they go into how that. Do, how, so do people buy find out about, how do people sign up for this course? This course, so it started yesterday. But if somebody wanted to take it, I'm pretty flexible with how many people I let into the course. It also depends because, you know, I might have half the participants are in Australia, which does happen. And then half will be from the U.S. or something. So when that's the case, I might do my live calls like this sort of idea at two different times so that the Australians can make it. So it just all depends on who signs up. 
But if you go to glistenacademy.com, you can join. I still, I've left it up, even though technically we started yesterday. But if there was any straggler who wanted to jump in, uh, you know, they're more than welcome. I'm behind because of my baby too. I'm a lot more behind than I used to be. So I only probably marketed this intake for, because I only do it once a year and I only marketed for about a week to let oh. people know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I definitely could, could fit a couple more people in if they wanted to, because I don't know if I got really the message out there. But I do sell like the lesson bundle. They can buy it at any time throughout the year and like just do it at their own pace as well. So um, is that yeah. also at the glistenacademy.com? It is. Yes. Yes. So all okay, the perfect. training is there. Yeah. Perfect. We're having a little. <laughs> yeah, we're having a little bit of connection problem here. I don't know what's oh, going really? on, but oh, that's okay. That's okay. We are out of time anyway. It's been Perfect. super fun having you on the show and learning all about what you do and how you even got to this industry. I think it's really fun and interesting. <laughs> yes. And we didn't talk about it at all, but I did not know synchronized swimming was called synco. Is that what you called it? Synco. Synchro. Yeah. Synchro. And now, synchro. And now it's artistic swimming. So. Oh, artistic. Yeah. All right. So there's no more synchro. No more synchro. Who knows? <laughs> Shows my age. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. So that's it for us. Thank you so much for tuning Thank you for in. Me. And please, you're welcome. I, it was a real pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation. Excellent. Me too. And I'll have all your links to the Glisten Academy and everything in the show notes. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, they'll be able to. <laughs> learn more about how you can help them. And that's it for the Housekeepers podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure that you are subscribing and reviewing and of course, telling all your friends about it. That's it for us. The cleanest hour in podcast has come to an end. Sadly, oh, sadly, <laughs> you have to go clean. <laughs> we, somebody has to go clean. That's it. Katie Pierce and I, Ralph Peterson, Housekeepers podcast. We'll see you guys later. Thank you. That's it. The Housekeepers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. Keep in mind, the best way to ensure that you never miss an episode of the Housekeepers Podcast is by subscribing to the show and following us on social media. For those of you who are more visually stimulated, you can always watch us record the show live each week on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. In fact, we post all of our videos on YouTube, so make sure you are subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you love the show and you want to help us out, please consider writing a review and sharing the show with all your friends and families and colleagues. And if you are looking for more information about today's guest, all of their contact information and the links to their websites are in the show's notes. That's it. Until next time, this has been the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am Ralph Peterson, and I'll see you later.